You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rapoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 2-9 of the Bulldog Hour. We're here finishing up our second season of the Rebooted Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays. Sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here, and uh, you know, we, we were able to get a lot of shows in this year. So Yes, um, definitely. That, that More was, than double last year. Yeah, I know, and... And you know we had we had our share of really good shows and uh, some I, some more positive news in uh, in this show too and uh, you know we'll get to all those things as we go through but um, you know it's it's great it's, it means a couple of things we had so many shows it means there was a long season uh, and um, people were still at least to some degree watching the show yeah for sure and. There aren't that many high school football teams that get to play in December. I think it's 24, and Wilson got to be one of them this year. Um, and they have a lot over the last few years. The, the District 3 title in 2011 was played in December. Now, Wilson lost that game to Central Dolphin, who went on to win the state title. Wilson again played in December in 2012, in 2014, and now in 2016. And obviously, we've been over the numbers with Coach Doms as head coach when you're winning on average 12 games a year, there's a very high likelihood that you're going to be playing into December. So we're going to cover the Wilson Bulldogs football team, their District 3 game versus Cumberland Valley. And then, well, you know we have another game to cover, so obviously they won that one. Then we'll talk a little bit about their game versus Pittsburgh Central Catholic in the Pennsylvania Scholastic uh, 6A Western Final is the Final Four uh, in 6A. That game we'll talk a little bit on. We don't have a lot from that game because, unfortunately, both Justin and I, for a variety of reasons, were unable to get to Altoona. So no pictures from us, and we actually don't even have the film from that. So we'll talk about the game a bit, and then we'll recap the season, talk about how the players performed, and you know just kind of put a nice bow on the 14 games that the 2016 Bulldogs team got to play. So first up, though, we get to talk about a, a great game, a, an incredible, incredibly impactful game, and one that uh, Wilson is celebrating still and will for the foreseeable future because, you know, Wilson football has been around a, a decent time. I mean, I know there are programs, especially from where you grew up and out west, uh, we're talking about the Whippeal, Programs that have literally been around for over a hundred years. Now Wilson, you know, we're only in our, our starting in our eighth decade, but um, still a, a pretty significant amount of uh, of statistics for the program. But district titles they started about thirty some years ago. Um, Wilson's able to say they own seven now. So how did they get there? Well, that was against the Cumberland Valley Eagles, a known opponent. We previewed this game on the last show and week 13 the first ever district 3 6a title game and it was fitting that it was wilson versus cumberland valley because we went over the stats the last time literally every year since 2008 at least one of the programs if not both were playing in the championship game at the highest level in district 3 and i believe it was only nine times since the district 3 playoffs started that one of the teams wasn't playing for the title. So definitely fitting that the first 6A was Eagles versus Bulldogs. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where when you talk about the highest level um, in terms of the classifications in District 3, uh, Cumberland Valley and Wilson are always in that grouping. Um, and like you said, only nine times when you go back to the start of District 3 football playoffs has another have neither team played for the district title. I know you mentioned, you know, Wilson has, um, you know, long history and we always refer to the streak. And so there's lots of success in there. You know, when, when you talk about the big schools, a lot of the bigger school districts are, are newer, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, old, smaller school districts that had merged at some point. Um, and so, you know, some of those teams, you know, uh, we talked about, 
uh, you know, the anniversaries in terms of the years. And you referred to where I grew up. Yeah, well, I grew up in a small town. So that small town was a small town a hundred years ago. And <laughs> it's still a small town. So, like, the district is still, you know, the same entity that it was then. Whereas most cases, like, that's not the case. You go back that far, you had, you know, Sinking Spring and West Lawn. And, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot else in the area. And, you know, those had, those were their own entities, I'm sure, at that point. You know, so like, it, it's a different, uh, mindset with the bigger schools. And in those bigger schools, uh, Wilson and Cent- or Cumberland Valley have, have been the dominant, two of the dominant forces. And it really was a tale of two halves. And the dominant force in the first half was the Cumberland Valley Eagles. They rushed out to a 14 nothing Lee using that patented wing T offense that's just you know, grounded pound. It's old school. They line them up and make you stop them. But if you do stop them, it's tough for them to ch- switch gears. They're right. not a, a pass heavy or a very pass efficient offense. And we saw both the good and bad from them. Uh, but the same can be said for Wilson. Obviously, being down 14 nothing at halftime, you're not playing your best ball uh, in the first half. But most of that came down to not necessarily game plan. It was all about execution. Right. And, and we'll talk to Coach Doms after the game. We'll have that interview for you in a bit, which is kind of the main thing we touch on. What was the message at halftime? Because Wilson was in a position both to stop the Eagles and also capitalize and put some points on the board. Obviously, being down 14 nothing at half, that didn't happen. And uh, Coach Doms had a message for the team, which we'll play in a little bit. But Wilson's down 14 nothing at halftime. And then they come in in the second half and they score four straight touchdowns into the fourth quarter and never look back. Really, when Wilson tied it at 14 after their first two offensive possessions in the third quarter, I really felt like this is it. Like they weren't going to give, they had all the momentum. They had figured out what they needed to do in the trenches to stop uh, Quigley and the Eagles uh, offense and also how to take advantage of the deficiencies in Cumberland Valley's defense, which, I mean, we can't ignore it. The injury to Charlie Catcher was huge. He yeah. was no longer playing in one of the deep safety positions, and that opened up the field for Wilson. Right. And and when you look at, you know, it, it just seemed like, you know, and obviously we're on this side of it, so it's kind of, you know, maybe that's why I view it this way. But like you said, when it got to 14-14 and then we forced another stop, and you're just like, this is it. This like, is gonna happen. We're gonna march down the field. If we march down the field again, like the, the they know how this game's going. Our guys could tell how this game was going. Like it just there was a change in the air, and it was it probably was before that because until we detect it, you know, it's on the field. Like the guys knew it. And like you said, it, all that it really took were a few of those plays that didn't go their way in the first half to go our way in the second half, and next thing you know. Um, you know, you get a, a long pass and, you know, we come down with the catch and, you know, we break up a pass. And like you said, um, I think, you know, Wilson got the ball rolling in the second half and, w- and was going. And then Charlie Catcher went out. And that was tough because as that game was going on, it turned into more and more of a game where they were going to need him um, in his playmaking defensively in the secondary. Especially offensively. And offensively. In our secondary, and it just he he was unavailable, which is unfortunate. Um, but it, you know, it, it kind of is what it is, and and the team, uh, you know, capitalized on like Wilson capitalized on their ability to to make plays in the second half. Yeah, Often, and, on both sides of the ball, and he's a stud. I mean, he was all over the field on defense in that first half. He had an interception that ended one of Wilson's drives, and he's a great diversion for their offense because. You have to account for him because if you don't, he'll beat you. Yeah. And him going out in the second half, obviously a huge thing. And he, he's just a stud. He's And he's coming back next year. I believe he's only a junior. Yeah, I think he he's class of football class of 18. Uh, he's considered a Penn State lean. He has the offer from the Nittany Lions, although yeah. I did just see he got offered from West Virginia. He also supposedly is really close with the tight end from Camp Hill who just committed to Penn State. Well, there you go. In the same class. And obviously what happened Saturday night in Indianapolis, I'm sure uh, – is it a negative it in Charlie hurt. Catcher's eyes? Because, you know, if you're just right here, right here. Um, so, yeah, final score, Wilson 28, Cumberland Valley 14. Yeah. It was, like you said, it was a tale of two halves. Um, 
Yeah, everybody kind of talked about what were you thinking at halftime? What were you thinking at halftime? I this is down, great. I came we, down to the uh, field. Yeah, you want me to and, set this up? Yeah, for you? I do. I do. Okay. Toss this one up. And yeah. I'll well, head I down texted you. I'm like, hey, you coming down the field? You're like, yeah, I'll be right down. So I'm waiting for you. You come down. We just look at each other. You know, little little exhale and just gather our thoughts and we start talking about the game. You know, and we basically what we just said now is what right. we said at halftime. Right. And, it, and it, this is what we do every game. Oh, you know, absolutely. Down, this is no of, different. Just kind of like start talking about what did we see in the first half. We saw Wilson bent too much and broke, but they knew how to stop him. It's just there were times execution on the edges wasn't happening. I wouldn't say there were too many missed tackles. They were usually there. It was generally positioning that was, right. was the issue. Right. When we got there, we made the plays. We just didn't find ourselves so in the right spots. Correct stuff on the edges, on defense, and on second for the offense, you have to finish. You can't get bogged down when you get inside the 35 because i think they got to about the 30 on all three possessions that wilson had only three possessions in the first half yeah and all of them should have ended in points and yeah because they got the ball and just drove it right down the field. so we recapped all that and it's getting to the point where you got to get back up to the box to run the video and uh you turn to me and you just say all right i'll see you down on the field so we can do do video interviews after we win and you just kind of looked at me like did, do you really think we're going to win? And yeah, I did. I, I, I don't know why. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like a hundred percent sure of it or anything. Don't get me wrong. Like that would, I'd love to sit here and say I was, but I wasn't like sure of it. So that's one of those things that I wanted to tweet out because right. that no one, no one will believe us <laughs> now. And it's the same thing. Like I, of course, thought we would win. I knew we could win. It showed in the first half. Right. It didn't translate to it, the scoreboard where what, it matters. What I had seen on in the first half told me that we weren't out of the game. The same time, like we had to execute and that that part obviously is not up to me. We hadn't so. proven that we could win the game, but we knew that we could. Which right. seems to not make much sense. But if you were there, you knew Wilson wasn't out of it. So we they, came down and after the game and I was and you were anyone who, right. Anyone who would listen, yeah, I called it. We called it. Yep. Apparently, so, so did the coaches at halftime. They yeah, well, much, they, that's yeah, pretty much what they told them. No real. Uh, you know, Coach Doms was calm, cool, and collected. Just put it out there. Hey, execute our game plan. Fix our mistakes. We will win this game, and that's that's what happened. Yeah. So let's take a look here now at some of the pictures that I was able to capture. Obviously. Uh, Iggy Reynoso had another big night over 200 yards rushing. And I believe he had, did he have the final two touchdowns? Cause Yuri got the first touchdown and the second Fode touchdown the was Fode Jalo. Yeah, and then the Iggy had time. three and four. So he broke the tie and put the exclamation point on the victory. Um, offensive line performed so well in that second half. They really gave Yuri time to mount the comeback and then Iggy time to cement the win. And then obviously if you're watching, the picture on the right is one of many that I attempted to take of the team victorious, celebrating with the District 3 trophy and you know just euphoria throughout. If you were following Wilson Bulldogs, at Wilson Bulldogs on Twitter, I recorded five minutes live from the field on Periscope. So you actually got to see like the last 10 seconds of the game, victory formation, and then just the celebration between the players and coaches, the handshake line, and then the huddle with coach dom's post game uh and i believe i cut it off right when the kids were collecting for this picture with the d3 trophy so um search periscope at wilson bulldogs if you want to watch that video um but yeah hey what what a game great time anytime you win you know that's perfect wilson's third district three title in the last five years fourth trip in the last six years so yeah uh, great believe, time in West Lawn. I believe seventh district title ties us with why I'm missing for most district titles in Berks County now. I still believe we are the only only Lancaster Lebanon team, team to win in the highest level. You know, because obviously Manheim Central and some of those other schools at the lower right, right, classifications right. So have, big have had their dominant levels. Four A or six A now, right? So, um, and like you mentioned, don't overlook it's the first six um, A. Yep. Uh, district three titles. So we'll so always be at the top of yeah, those exactly. statistical lists when, when it you buy the programs 6A, and it lists them all. We'll be Wilson right there. Bulldogs 2016. So that that's nice, and that's something that I believe we asked Coach Doms as well. 
So before we get to some of the video highlights, well, actually, let's jump to the video highlights before we give our player of the game. It yeah. Pro- probably makes the most sense to show you what happened before we actually name our player of the game. So we got about two minutes here, game recap courtesy of Huddle, and you'll see uh, Bulldogs, Eagles in Hershey, end of November 2016, second quarter, Wilson's already down 14 nothing, and this is the point where you're like, all right, let's get something before half. Uh, nice pass from Jurg to Brian Wright. Set up what should have been a field goal, and it was blocked. We really saw a lot of that in the second half of the season. Brian Wright going up and grabbing the ball over two, three defenders sometimes. The way he played over the last five, six games was great. Now we're in the third quarter here. Wilson's down 14 nothing, and you see um, Connor Yerg, the junior quarterback, trying to make something out of nothing, scrambling for some yardage here. That resulted in the first touchdown, which he took in himself, cutting it to 14-7, favor Cumberland Valley. But the Bulldogs forced the three and out. And actually should have had an interception by Wyatt Schonauer, but, you know, can't catch him all, Wyatt. Then this incredible pass, and there I am standing cheering in the background. Fode Jalo, absolutely yeah, wonderful reception pass. for the touchdown. Tied the game 14-14, and everyone was just in shock. Well, Wilson again forces a Cumberland Valley punt, get the ball back, and now you're going to start to see Iggy Reynoso take over and really start to pound his way around uh, the Eagles defense and uh, courtesy of the offensive line. And here's just one of his many stellar runs that he just made people miss. Wouldn't go down with the first tackle and would get up this to the sideline. <clears throat> and the Wilson would eventually punch it in courtesy of Iggy go up 21 14. And now here's his final touchdown run a beauty again, just making people miss. Yeah, and then just outrunning and just outrunning else. everyone else. Yeah. So 28 to 14 Wilson with the lead. Cumberland Valley trying their best to mount a comeback. They're going to need to start passing, which, again, not their forte. And here we're going to see nice. Fode Jalo jump in front of their fullback, Josiah Quigley, for the interception, which sealed the game. So a look at Huddle's top three in offense, Yurig, Reynoso, and Jalo, and their player of the game. Let's see if it matches our player of the game. Yeah, it's kind of an easy choice there when you see the statistics that he put up. Um but Huddle's got some of the information for you. We'll see if it jives with what we have as well. So, Wilson taking down the Eagles 28-14. to And really an incredible performance in the second half. What, what a second half by the Bulldogs. And let's take a look at some of the stats. Wilson had the edge in first downs 22-10. to More than doubled up Cumberland Valley. Cumberland Valley dominated the first half. but did they have more than one or two first downs in the second half? I think they. I didn't look at the breakdown. <laughs> I well, I think they I were they held to like sixty-five one. total yards or something right. like that. I think the... they got one before the first pick in the second half okay. on that drive, and then I don't know. They might have gotten another one before the second pick that I did towards the end. Again, Cumberland Valley bread and butter rush offense. They had one hundred and ten yards, most of them coming in the first half. Wilson two thirty-two. Passing, again, not something the Eagles do well. Only 59 yards for them, whereas Wilson got 177. Grand total for each team, 409 to 169. So domination there by the Bulldogs. Time of possession also favored Wilson. That is where you see, if you beat Cumberland Valley in the time of possession, that is a really good sign for your team uh, because they are a long drive. I I would be interested to know how how much of that 21 52 came in the first came half. Came in the first half. I would be willing to bet at half, least more than half. Like well, well, more than half. Yeah. Minutes of that. Well, did they took almost eight minutes up in the first quarter, didn't they? It was like yeah. like like high six, low yeah. sevens. Yeah, I think there was under six minutes left when we got it after the first drive. Yeah, after the first drive, right? And they had another <laughs> drive in the first right, quarter that right. ended in the beginning of the second quarter right. for their second touchdown. Yeah. So Wilson had the ball once in the first quarter. Right. Twice in the second quarter. Yeah. <laughs> And one of those ended basically ended the half. Yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it was um, it was one of those where just complete different story in the first half and second half. And how about this stat for you, Wilson? Yeah, admirable on third down, fifty percent, four for four for eight. Cumberland Valley, one for fourteen. Wow. So Wilson defense, when they had to, got the job done. Now, some of the drives in the beginning of the game, they were picking up enough for first downs on first and second down, so they weren't forced into third down situations. But when Wilson held on those early downs, they had them right where they wanted them, and Cumberland Valley couldn't convert. Wilson also four for eight on fourth downs, 
Cumberland Valley. They got a, a few, three of ten. So a little bit better when it really mattered. Uh, but still, <sighs> four of twenty-four on you know high priority downs. Not going to win you too many games. Red zone. Wilson's actually only one of three, as we saw struggles in the first half in that capacity. Cumberland Valley, um, you know, they're uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. They got them inside the 20 often, and they scored both times. They were able to do that two for two for them there. Individual stats. Iggy Reynoso was the guy. 27 carries, 208 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Again, broke the tie and gave Wilson some insurance. Uh, not to be outdone. Junior quarterback Connor Yurig was 10 of 19 for 177 yards with a touchdown and the one pick. He also rushed 10 times for 29 yards and the first Wilson touchdown of the night. Fode Jello was the star wide receiver. He had two catches for 74 yards. Actually, both of them, I believe, were 37 yarders. One of them, though, was a touchdown that tied the game. Tommy O'Brien had three rushes for 23 yards. Justin Weller had two catches for 28 yards. And defensively, Leo Quigley, eight tackles, a half of them for a loss. Tommy O'Brien, four and a half tackles, one of them for a loss. And Fode Jalo again, four and a half tackles and that one big interception. Mason McElroy, the senior cornerback, had a tackle and also one interception as well as two pass breakups. And both those interceptions came in the fourth quarter, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Yes, the, the Jalo one was right near the I know, end. I know they did because Cumberland Valley was going the same direction. Yeah. Both, right? Yes. So. When when Cumber Valley started the throw, the Wilson defense took advantage right. with interceptions from McElroy and then Jalo. They both were kind of great, like acrobatic uh, catches. So um, great defense, like you said, when they forced them to pass, we were ready. Yeah. So we actually alluded to Iggy Reynoso being the player of the game, but now that I recall, that's not where we went. Um, so apologies to Iggy, although I think he's already been our player of the game four times this year. So it's not like he's gonna cried too many tears over not being the guy again. But someone who stepped up both on offense and defense um, at important times, um, first trying to get the first touchdown and then scoring the second touchdown and then essentially icing the game in the fourth quarter was senior wide receiver outside linebacker Fode Jello. He had the two catches for 74 yards and a touchdown, four and a half tackles, and that one interception. So for his efforts in the in the game against Cumberland Valley, the 2016 D3 6A championship, Fode gets the nod as the Bulldog Hours player of the game. All right, before we move on to talk about the game versus Pittsburgh Central Catholic, we're going to take a quick uh, step aside here and let Coach Doms talk to us a little bit about uh, the Wilson victory over Cumberland Valley in the D3 title game. So here's our very quick interview with Coach Dom's post-game. All right, we're joined now with head coach Doug Doms after Wilson's thrilling come-from-behind District 3 6A championship victory over the Cumberland Valley Eagles. Uh, coach, when you went in down at halftime down 14-0, what was the message to your to your kids? Number one, the message was correct the mistakes because we made you know, a couple mistakes that cost us offensively. We drove the ball up and down the field and made mistakes. And defensively, same thing. We were making some simple mistakes. Correct the mistakes and believe in yourself. Go out second half and play the game and we'll be fine. So, you know, we had to encourage them a little bit to believe because I think they were, you know, when you're down 14 nothing, you know, we get nothing off that last drive. There's a doubt. No, it's natural. So basically, it was more psychological than anything else. Exactly. Were there any gameplay adjustments that you felt you needed to make, or not really? Just it was more about execution. It was all about execution. I know our offensive line. We, we talked about their their defensive tackles were just sitting there and reading. And we said, "Hey, get into them and run them." Right? We just sit and wait for them. And, and defensively, we told our corners we got to get a little bit more run speed, you know, which they did. So. How does it feel to know that Wilson will be the first ever team to have a 6A championship under their belt in District 3? <laughs> kind of nice. Can't take that one away. Nope, that's another one for us. Well, I know you've been answering a lot of questions tonight, so I think that's all we're going to ask for you. But congratulations on the victory, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week in Altoona against Pittsburgh Central Catholic in the Western 6A final. Thank you. 
So that was our very brief interview with Coach Doms following the Wilson victory over Cumberland Valley. Now, he had done like six interviews already, and we were literally the last one. So we wanted, to cut to him us the yeah, we wanted to cut him a break, and we approached a few other coaches who just kind of politely said, no, you know, they it's not, not their thing that they like to do. They just want to kind of live in the moment. And we... We talked about asking a few kids, but they were all celebrating. All right, we didn't I, want to take them away from you that. know, and ask the same questions. You know, how does it feel? You know, they got asked by a, a whole ton of people. You know, Iggy talked to a bunch of people, Fode and and Yurig and all those guys. They were approached by so many other newspapers and media companies that we were just kind of like let let them live in the moment. Some of them won't have the opportunity to experience it. Yeah, yet. the game was on two radio stations, a TV station. Um, you know, and so there were probably one, two, three. Well, the best coverage four. out there at Wilson Bulldogs on Twitter. Right. There were about four like newspapers there at minimum. Like, so there were a lot of press getting interviews there from all the guys. A, so. a ton of photographers yeah, too. Yeah. So should I talk about Hershey Park and how we had to beg to get in? Essentially, <laughs> no, no, let's not let's not touch on that. We, it didn't matter. We, we weren't on the list. Yeah, we weren't on the list. Even though they didn't ask our names, we weren't on the list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, brother. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thanks again to Coach Doms and all the coaches we talked to this year um, during the season, preseason, and all the players we, we interviewed. Um, it definitely took this second season of the Bulldog Hour to new heights. And I know that's what you, the listeners, the watchers, wanted. They wanted to see interviews and talk to them. We'll try to get better every year. Um, more of them you know better questions more information hopefully uh in year three in 2017 we can take another step in the right direction so thanks to everyone for uh for helping us out and indulging us uh after games this season yeah that, that, it's a fun part for us too um you mentioned we we only are ever going to do that after after wins um because you know it's it's enough we're asking enough you know of the players and coaches for their time after after because this is a long days you know, like whether oh, it's yeah. on a Friday, you know, they've been at school since early in the morning and they pretty much stay there. And now it's, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock. And, you know, we're like, they want to oh, get hey, food and get you home. stand in the cold and answer some questions. Right. For us? right yeah. So we appreciate that. Um, That's generally why we only do it after wins, because they're much more willing to talk to us. And yeah. I think the only win we didn't talk to anyone was Warwick. And that one to them kind of felt like a loss. Well, yeah. Yeah. You kind of read the moment and. Every, everyone, including us, just kind of wanted to get out of there. We're thankful for the win. Let's go home. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, we got one more game to talk about. And like I said at the beginning of the show, there won't be a lot of time spent on it because we don't have a lot, personally. Right. We're not, we don't have right. the experience. We weren't at the game um, for health and travel reasons. So, um, you know, prior commitments and pop-up spontaneous things that happen just wouldn't allow certain people to go to the game. So um, there's not too much more that we can add other than some of the statistics and recaps from uh, some of the great um, reporters. Like if you're not following Mike Drago and Jeff Reiner on Twitter, I don't know, you know, yeah, if you, you should be. If you like high school football, especially, yeah. you, you have to follow them. Um, they're great followers and they keep you up, up to date on all the important stuff and Lots of cool other right. stuff. Right. So. And I mean, really, you if you go on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, if you go to at Wilson Bulldogs and you just look at who I'm following on that account, you'll see the writers for Penn Live and their entities that cover the mid pen because it's interesting to know yeah. what's going on with the rest of District Three. Uh, Jeff Reinert and his uh, fellows at Lancaster Newspaper and, they do a great job covering yeah, high school football as well. Um, they do an awesome job. And then all the people that write for or take pictures for EasternPAFootball.com, including our friends Bruce Badgley, Lee Vivian, and uh, um, Andy Herr. Right. So yeah. um, I, they were at the game. They were at to, the we game got to as meet well. Some pretty cool people. Yeah, we, we were starting to um, yeah. you know branch out and interact with some of these people. And like we kind of mentioned in the past, we'd love to open this up maybe in the off season, get a couple shows in, and talk to yeah. some of these media members. Yeah, it's funny because. Not to get too sidetracked, but it seems like almost every game we go to now, there's somebody we know is there um, between the different press people. And just as we get to know more people through this and through just kind of being there, um, it, it, it's a cool experience. Because yeah. then you talk about the other teams, you talk about the other games going on. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, for sure. And and also, I'd be remiss to not mention Fourth Down Magazine, which is a right. newer upstart one. They started covering Burks this year, so Wilson got a lot more attention from them. And uh, Lee Vivian also photographed for them. So, you know, a lot of uh, great follows on Twitter. Just look at up who I'm following. If you want to know who the players are and what accounts are important for high school football, uh, I'm following some of the best on there for sure. And obviously, I know we're going to miss someone, but those are some ones that you definitely want to be uh, paying attention to. So the final game of Wilson's 2016 season, week 14 in Mansion, at Mansion Park in Altoona. So about a three-hour drive for the Bulldogs. Wilson got to play the District 7 champion, Whippeal King, Pittsburgh Central Catholic, the defending 4A state champions. They only brought back 14 kids, you know, so... <laughs> 14 out of 22 coming back from a state title team. Yeah, the expectations were sky high from the Vikings. Their first and only loss this year was in week one to a prep school in D.C. And then they pretty much ran the table. Most of their games weren't close. They had a couple where it's like close into the second quarter and then they... I think the closest was... I think they may have been tied with Pine Richland, who Wilson lost to two years ago in no, 2014. Has, has Notre Dame recruited as their quarterback. Yeah, he's only was he a junior this he's year? He's a junior this year. Yeah. yeah, so he's back next year. Yeah. Um, they, I think, were tied entering the fourth, and then Central Catholic pulled away, and I think they won by 10. Right. I think it was 28-28 entering the fourth, and I think the final was like 48-38 or something. But pretty much everyone else, they just absolutely housed. Like, no one was even close. They were winning by an average of, like, 40 points, which is just absurd. But when you have, what is it, was it 9, 10 D1 nine recruits, recruits, all five along the offensive line, it's tough to go into that thinking you have a chance. Like, it just is. And everyone was telling telling the players that. And the coaches, I mean, they understood what they are up against. And Coach Doms, and I believe it was either Drago, it might have been Paul Roberts from WEU, said – you know, Coach Dom doesn't speak with hyperbole. Like, he's kind of just, you know, he presents the facts to you. When you hear someone with his pedigree and his experience tell you it's the best football team he's ever seen on film, this was prior to the game, you listen. Yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> we'll get there in a minute, but basically post-game, he basically was just like, I wasn't I wasn't lying when I said all those I things. I wasn't earlier, making that up. Earlier in the week. They, they are the best team that he's ever seen i'm in taking his word um, 41 years and, as a wilson know, football i didn't coach. see them um you know just real quick i did see that na team a few years ago um i did not see them in the wilson game that's kind of crazy but i saw them oh yeah you saw them against season, mount Lebanon. week one in mount Lebanon, and they were tied at halftime of that game um and then they they Blue kind of exerted their will the a little half. bit in the second half didn't didn't you know? It was still kind of one of those couple possession games, but um, but when I saw that game, I was like, you you just knew, like you just see some of these teams, and you just know, like that's an incredible team. And just watching them in that game, you knew they were an incredible team. Um, so that team ended up beating Wilson handily, forty five to ten, in the semifinal. And that game aside, now you know I know that was four years ago, but. Coach Tom still refers to this Pittsburgh Central Catholic team as the best team he's ever seen. He, not once did I don't think did he say one of the best. He, no, he, he was he very specific. Clear. So yeah, um, um, high praise for them. And when you're stocked like that, and you got that many coming back for a state title team, sky's the limit. Right. And expectations, right? Are I huge. think I think they would they would say that. Yeah, the expectations. Well, they remind me title. not to focus on North Allegheny for whatever reason, but they remind me of that squad from 2010 through 2012. North Allegheny won the state title in 2010, and then they had a bunch coming back, and they're like, "All right, we got this in 2011." And then they overlooked Central Dolphin, right. who had just barely beat Wilson the prior week in the District Three Four A Championship, and Central Dolphin knocked them off. And went to the state final, and Central Dolphin won. Right. Well, then North Allegheny came back in 2012 right. with still a in great reality. North group. Allegheny should have won three in a row. Right. They should. And it's have. exactly what they're thinking. So they come back in 2012 and say, "Wow, you know, we let ourselves down last year. We got to come back with a vengeance." So when Wilson beat Harrisburg in the 2012 District Three final, they got to go to a buzzsaw in Altoona against North Allegheny, who was on a mission to rebound from what happened a year ago against Central Dolphin, and they did it. Well, here we are four years later, and now Coach Dom says Wilson faced a team that was 
by far better than that North Allegheny team that beat them by 35 points four years ago. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. Um, but you know, I it's hard to dispute any of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like based on the things we've heard. So, um, like you said, we weren't there, so we'll kind of run down just a little recap, a little in depth recap um, of, of some of the results. Yeah. So the state semifinal again, the Western Pennsylvania. Final week fourteen played on Saturday, December third against the Pittsburgh Central Catholic Vikings. Um, Wilson fell sixty three to twenty one. The Vikings raced out to I believe a twenty one nothing lead in the first quarter and eventually was up twenty eight nothing early in the second. All courtesy of huge plays, yeah, huge pass plays, plays, huge running play, and a pick six returned the other way. Um, and there just was no stopping them. There was. Very little that Wilson could do, and it didn't matter what facet, whether you know it was game plan, athleticism, execution. I, I don't know what the Bulldogs could have done to stop Pittsburgh Central Catholic. Yeah, I think it w- it basically would have taken a perfect game and Pittsburgh Central Catholic to still make enough mistakes for for Wilson to kind of hang in there. And you know what? It, it's kind of one of those things where it's just, what are you going to do? You know, like you, you just. You kind of keep playing, you know, you play hard until the end and, um, you know, you just kind of finish it out, you know, kind of just um, pride there, you know, not not necessarily the pride in, you know, losing, but the pride in not not quitting and just kind of seeing it through to the end, um, you know, and, and that's it's kind of what you, what you have to play for, you know, and, you know, the guys have nothing to hang their heads about. It was an incredible season. Oh, absolutely. And. Yeah, they just Wait, like you said. I mean, they just they hit a team that that is prime for a state championship. In back to the back, biggest classification in, in one top of the, five states in the right, nation. In one of the better states for high school football in America. Right. I mean, that's, that's what it's that's what, what you hit: Texas, California, Florida, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Right. Parts of California or have strong teams, but as a statewide, I don't I don't know how it is. But there's just so many people like it. Well, it's like uh, Bishop Gorman in Nevada, like right, yeah. IMG Academy in Florida, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pennsylvania is easily a top five school, and you could probably make some arguments that they're a top three high school state in the United States. So when you have the best team from one of the best states, you know, it's tough. So it'll be interesting to see how Central Catholic matched up against St. Joe's Prep. They won the East. They beat North Penn in, in a in an exciting game. It was, I believe, thirty five twenty five was the final. North Penn had actually cut it to twenty eight twenty five, and then um, Saint Joe's Prep, I think, basically was like, "Here, let's let the Georgia commit take over." And DeAndre Swift yeah. um, kind of took it upon himself and and took Saint Joe's Prep to the state final, which they weren't able to do last year. They actually got upset by LaSalle, I believe, right. who then lost to Parkland. And Parkland played Pittsburgh Central Catholic last year. Parkland played them tough. I believe it was like twenty one fourteen or twenty four seventeen or something like that. Um, but Central Catholic obviously won, and they'll be back to defend their crown uh, this coming uh, Saturday, Saturday night, December tenth in Hershey. So Pittsburgh Central Catholic from the west against St. Joe's Prep from the east, both private schools, both representing the big cities in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. We'll we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Let's look at some of the stats from the game against Pittsburgh Central Catholic. First down-wise, Wilson actually had more because Pittsburgh Central Catholic basically had big plays. Like They didn't didn't need a lot of first downs. They didn't need long, sustaining drives. They capitalized often from long distance. So Wilson ended up with 21 to Catholic's 18. Wilson, when they didn't turn the ball over, could move the ball. That wasn't an issue. Uh, there were some execution mishaps that resulted in big plays for the Vikings, but Wilson didn't have a tough time moving the ball through the air. I should say they 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 couldn't run the ball. They yeah. just couldn't. Well, I mean, we talked about the offensive line for Central Catholic being all D one recruits. One of them going to Penn State. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, most of those guys are the same, or they throw in the guy that literally weighed three hundred and seventy pounds. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough for guys to move them. When your interior linemen top out at what, two twenty? I, I sit there and think, how does a three hundred and seventy pound guy even get to the game on a bus? Like, <laughs> like it's the logistics of that are just. Well, when for we got the uh, you know the preview email from Coach Doms and he rode three seventy, he had to actually say that is not a typo. <laughs> so that 
So Wilson couldn't run the ball. They got 31 net rushing yards. Central Catholic, 317. Passing yards, Wilson almost 300, 288. Central Catholic, just just 192. But total yards, Wilson, a respectable 319. But Central Catholic, 509. Wilson actually dominated the time of possession, 28-34 to 19-18. But that was because, like I said, Pittsburgh Central Catholic, just big plays, big plays, 50-60 yard plays. And they didn't need they didn't need to have the ball. Wilson was five of fifteen on third downs, not what you want to see. Central Catholic not much better, one of six, actually worse. Fourth downs though, Wilson turned the ball over on downs four times. They were only one of five. Central Catholic one for two and got one. In the red zone, Wilson was one of two, but Central Catholic perfect four of four. So I mentioned Wilson running game not getting much going. Iggy Reynoso finished with twelve rushes for forty nine yards. Connor Urig, he was the the big offensive performer for Wilson. He was 20 of 40 for 288 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. Brian Wright, Justin Weller, and Mason McElroy um, had great final games uh, as Bulldogs. Brian Wright, four catches, 86 yards, and a score. Weller, five for 65 and a touchdown. And McElroy, four for 52 and a touchdown. On defense, two of the seniors led the way. Tommy O'Brien, seven tackles from his safeties position. And Fode Jalo chipped in five from his outside linebacker position. So, again, I wasn't there at the game, so I don't have any pictures from the game to show you. Um, I did grab one source from the Reading Eagle for our player of the game. And without being there and seeing it, it was tough to diagnose. You know, we read the articles and and talked a little bit um, about it prior to the show. And we think um, the choice for player of the game against Pittsburgh Central Catholic is junior quarterback Connor Urig. Again, that photo is courtesy ReadingEagle.com. He was, again, 20 of 40, 288 yards and three touchdowns. He was asked to do a lot um, against a... Division one factory, I think they were called by uh, either Drago or Roberts, okay. and uh, you know, hey, he had a he had a good game. You know, everyone will point to oh, the three interceptions, but he also he had three touchdowns and nearly three hundred yards against a school that wasn't giving up a lot of points. No, yeah. So you know, and and they had us in passing situations. They jumped right. They, out, so yeah, they, they knew, knew we what was passing. coming. Right. So. I uh, still a great season for Urig, and we'll get to that very shortly here. So, congratulations to Connor Urig being named the Bulldog Hour Player of the Game for the season-ending loss to Pittsburgh Central Catholic. All right, well, let's recap the 2016 season before signing off season two of the Bulldog <laughs> Hour. Once again, Wilson went 12 and two overall, perfect in the league, seven and zero. They were Section One champs once again. The ninth straight time that has happened. It's unbelievable. It's it's insane. It's it's just it's unfathomable. And to think that next year you could get to double digits in consecutive victories, uh, is something to dream about for sure. And just extend their record-setting um, pace that they're on. And obviously tonight we talked about them winning the first ever Six A District Three title. It's Wilson's seventh overall and third in five years. Now, week by week, remember, we did all these games once again, but to round out, we'll talk briefly about each one. Wilson started the season hosting the government from Mustangs and came out on top 38-7. to That kind of was a nice tone setter for the year because... Well, at first you were like, well, maybe Mifflin's not as good as people thought they were going to be. And that turned around pretty quickly. And that changed quickly because they just happened to reel off, I believe, 10 wins in a row. Yeah, and didn't Nine, lose again until they played to Harrisburg, state finalist Harrisburg. Who plays Saturday afternoon, and, I believe, and, for the District 5 and start. took it to five West Allegheny. Yeah, who is a whippeal. Right, who is, yeah, whose coach the week before hit his 300th win. Yeah, you heard that right. We'll actually talk about Coach Dom's wins right. coming and up. Just to and just put that in perspective. Yeah, put, right, proper perspective there. Yeah. So Wilson, 38-7, to destruction of Mifflin in season opener. Then a thrilling game at Gersey again against Springford. Remember, former Coach Chad Brubaker's team coming to town. He went for two in the second overtime, and Wilson stuffed him just short for the victory, 41-40. to Wilson moves to 2-0. Then the first setback until the, the game we just talked about, was against Central Dolphin in week three. On the road, the Rams beat the Bulldogs 24-6. to Yeah, that game was a little closer than the score indicated. 
the Central Dolphin was very good. Oh yeah, um, absolutely and tough, and you know you knew you had some work to do after that game. The next week, we mentioned this game earlier tonight. Wilson went to Warwick, their second straight road game, and actually what would end up being their fourth in five weeks. There was the opener in Lancaster Lemon League Section 1 play, and Wilson would race to a 14 to nothing lead. But then just before halftime, Warwick scored to cut it to 14 to 7. They added the field goal in the second half, and then Wilson had to hold on for dear life to and, claim the and victory. Knock down a Hail Mary at, at right. the end. Yeah. But that also would prove to not be such a terrible game no. because Warwick was an excellent team. Yeah, Warwick, you could argue, was maybe the third best team in in the league, in the, the section this year. I mean, you could argue that they were the second best team in the section. I think you would say that they were the second best yeah. team in the section. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You probably would. They beat Township head to head. You're right. I had forgotten about that for yeah. the first time since like in like 2002 or something yeah, like that. So. They they really turned around. Their coach actually won section one coach of the yeah, year. Um, bringing is it Bob Locker, I I forget, but is that something like I, that? I it is something yeah, along those lines. Coach Dom had I run know, the last three, right? He had won the last three, and you know when you run it like they have, you know that's kind of you know a choice that's always there. However, I you know Coach Dom's aside, obviously he did a fantastic job this year, but the Warwick coach really has stepped up and. and Hopefully has them headed in the right direction. You know, it seems like he does. They they had a fine season at Warwick. Then the uh, the winning streak continued the next week back at home against McCaskey, fifty five to nothing. That was really when we started to see Wilson kind of exert their dominance right. over opponents they right. should be taking down as they beat McCaskey fifty five to nothing. They went on the road back to back weeks to beat Penn Manor forty two thirteen and then Lebanon sixty eight to nineteen, where the Bulldogs set a new program record for points scored in a game. Then they came home for the big one, the one everyone was circling from the start of the year against Mannheim Township at home and Wilson stormed back in the second half to win that one 17 to 10. Wilson was actually down at halftime 3 to nothing and was able to score 17 to 10 was the final and uh, Connor Urig took in the quarterback keeper near the end of the game. I think there was like 25 seconds remaining yeah, to break a 10-10 tie. Uh, unfortunately for him, he would get injured on that play. And would miss uh, the the next few games, um, but we we got solid play from Grayson Klein and the team as a whole as they would take down Hempfield thirty eight to seven, Conestoga Valley forty two to twenty one, and then the District three six eight playoffs began and Wilson was the number two seed. They got to host two games should they keep winning until the final in Hershey. The first game was no contest fifty five twenty three Central York scored most of those points when it didn't matter. And Iggy Reynoso was the star, nearly 300 yards rushing and six touchdowns. In the first half. In the first half. Then Wilson got their revenge game in the second round of the District 3 playoffs, welcoming in Central Dolphin East Panthers once again. Second year in a row, actually third year in a row, they would meet in the playoffs. And Wilson was able to come out on top after falling in 2015 in a shocker in overtime. Wilson looked great, especially... uh, Near the end of the first half, they went up 17 to nothing. Um, gave up some points in the second half, but kept scoring offensively. We saw a huge game from Brian Wright and Wilson won that one 38-21 to advance to Hershey back to the District 3 final to play Cumberland Valley, which we talked about tonight. They won that 28 to 14 and then went to Altoona last week in the Western Pennsylvania final and fell to Pittsburgh Central Catholic. So a great season, 12 and 2. Um, and at times, I know there were doubters entering the season. I was not one of those. I knew that this team was solid, had a lot coming back. If a few pieces clicked, I, I expected. I, I don't know if I want to say I expected. I, I always expect to get to the district title game. I guess that's the way I put it. Can you get to the district title game? And that's what I expected from this group. And they did it. Yeah. And they, so, sometimes they look even better than I thought they could be. So props to them, props to the coaches for getting them in the right positions and knowing what to do and when. Uh, 12-2, and two, wonderful, wonderful season for the seniors on the 2016 team. You know, a three-year run, two district titles, three league titles, and I think they had a record of, was it 46? No, 36-5, and five, the three-year group. Of, so they got to play in 41 games. There's only 10 guaranteed games a season. They played an additional season because of how deep they went in the playoffs. Yeah, that's um, that's unreal. And if, you know, we point out there were a couple of p- players that came up as freshmen, Alex Twyford and Fode Jello, they got to play in another season on top of that. 
they actually went 48 and 6 and won four league titles with their two district titles. So and they played 14 extra games yes. over their four year career. That's unbelievable. They played in 54 games when you're only guaranteed 40. So they essentially played almost five and a half seasons in four years. And depending on where you're in the state, maybe nine. So right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Western PA and um, maybe parts of District 1 might only have nine weeks. Yeah. I'm not, however, the screwing the classifications got this year. So what a, what a great year for the 2016 team and for the seniors in the class of 17. Uh, great three or four year run. All right, individual statistics for the year. Uh, some some ones that'll be in the record books for sure. <coughs> Rushing Iggy Reynoso, two hundred nineteen for one thousand six hundred sixty two yards and twenty four touchdowns. And I know you've mentioned that he's coming up on the all time, I believe, Burke's career rushing list. He's less than what he got this year. He's less than that away from the all time. I think he's right twelve. 11. Yeah, it's maybe upper elevens or low twelves away um, from the record. And I I honestly don't know the record. Um, but it's one that's been there for a little bit for, for Brooks County. So, um, it'll be interesting. You know, you, you hate to look ahead and, you know, there's a lot to do before then, but, um, you know, he, he showed the signs that he's certainly capable of, of getting those kinds of numbers. Dual threat junior quarterback Connor Urig also rushed 105 times for 320 yards and three touchdowns. The last of which happened it was the first touchdown in the district three championship game. So you return your two lead. Leading rushers. I know we yeah. haven't gotten. We'll that get right to right that. Right. Yeah, you're jumping the gun here. Uh, passing again. Connor Yurg, 142 of 234, 60.7% completion percentage, just over 2,000 yards, 2,050 to be exact. 21 touchdowns versus eight interceptions for a high school passer rating of 157.05. So, pretty good pretty first good. year as a starter for yeah. Mr. Yurig. And again, he's back next year. So is uh, battery mate Grayson Klein, 38 of 67 for 444 yards, six touchdowns versus four interceptions, completed 56.7% of his passes, and he had a rating of 129.99. Yeah, so that was that was a big uh, benefit for Wilson this year was having uh, the two guys. I know that doesn't necessarily sound, you know, when people watch the higher levels of football, they don't talk about that two-quarterback system. Yeah. They seem to have the right stuff at the right time this year for Wilson. So, yeah. you know, well, it'll be interesting. To Two see more than capable quarterbacks yes. with different talents. It serves different purposes. Yeah. And uh, hopefully both of them back next year ready to go. And it'll be exciting to uh, to see what the two can do as seniors right. next year. Receiving um, top five, Brian Wright had 669 yards on 29 catches and six touchdowns. He really came on at the end of the year. You yes. pointed out um, steady force through the whole year. Was Justin Weller, 43 catches for 533 yards and eight touchdowns. He had the most touchdowns by a receiver. Alex Twyford, the senior tight end, four-year player, 32 catches for 334 yards and five touchdowns. Fode Jello, 17 catches, 308 yards and three scores. And Mason McElroy, 22 for 233 and two touchdowns receiving from right. him. Now, he also contributed another facet, and that was on special teams and uh, at defense. Well, Mason had four return touchdowns, three on punts, and one on a kickoff. Not to be outdone, his wide receiver teammate, Justin Weller, returned a kickoff for a touchdown and also a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Brian Wright returned an interception for a touchdown. And not to be outdone, we got to mention our boy Nick Borelli, who points out any time that we mess anything up on this show. We got you. You were he was six for ten on field goals along a thirty-seven, and he nailed sixty-one of sixty-four extra points. I sure hope you had those right because if not, right? I'm sure if I don't have those right, he will let me know. So, Borelli, let let me know. Request a special episode of <laughs> corrections. No, he's done. He did a fantastic and, job this year, yep. um, and that was that was a key for the team. Um, you know, from the Springford game where there's yeah. extra points. Really, for sure, really mattered, really mattered. Uh, and he kicked the field kicks, goal with seconds to play some to tie big it. Kicks in, you know, the uh, Mannheim Township game, and, and some. So, like, yeah. Well, he, the best part of the, the Township game is that was after a miss right before halftime. Right, he could right. have easily just packed it in and gotten frustrated. And he right. came back and nailed one to tie the game at three, which so. proved to be the difference. Uh, yeah, so. when you win seventeen to ten, you know yeah. that that field goal was very important. Yeah, so he had he had a great year. On defense, uh, 
Leading tackler was Leo Quigley, senior, 67 and a half tackles, nine and a half of them were for loss, and of those nine and a half, two and a half for sacks. He had two fumble recoveries and also forced a fumble. Linebacker teammate and senior Fode Jello, 64 tackles, 13 and a half for loss, three of them sacks. He had the interception in the championship game, a fumble recovery, and also one forced fumble. And then Tommy O'Brien, 58 tackles, three and a half for loss. One interception, one fumble recovery, and one forced fumble. Now, none of those guys actually led the team in sacks. That was actually um, reserve and rotation defensive end Eddie Ortiz. He had five and a half, and it seemed at times he was unblockable. Yeah, especially, again, like in the second half of the season, it seemed like he kind of found his technique there. And, and that the role that, that he needed to perform. He would line up so wide and just offensive tackles could not get back fast they enough They couldn't to, figure out. pick him up. And I mean, and he caused a lot more havoc than just the five and a half oh, sacks he's credited he, with. Well, and he was close to some block punts, like he was flying in there. So yeah, he became a force off the edge. And we mentioned Brian Wright had an interception return for a touchdown. He actually led the team on interceptions for the season with four. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. So that's the end of the 2016 season. Um, we're going to take a very brief look at 2017 now, and and Justin spoiled it a little bit, pointing out that I did. I got uh, the the you know the big offensive playmakers are back for the Bulldogs next year. Both quarterback Connor Yuri and Grayson Klein, as well as running back Iggy Reynoso. And then if you look at pure running backs, their second leading rusher outside of Yuri, Abdul McFoy, is only a sophomore next year. So Wilson's got a lot back in some positions, you know that. Generally, if you have those guys coming back, good things happen. Obviously, we're smarter to know that you got to have the linemen too. And all in the offensive line, guaranteed two starters back in Wyatt Schonauer returns, as well as Chris Price. Now, we'll say, saying goodbye to Isaiah Regal, who, um, you know, was just, uh, won all three linemen awards from the LL. Yeah. Um, uh, Franz Borden and Jake Morris. So three positions up for grabs there. There's a few guys that rotated in that will be yeah, back some, next year. That will have, have to step up. Due to injuries and um, some you know, we saw outs. Hunter Nash, a junior this year, will be a senior next year. Um, Nate Keller, who was a freshman, filled in for Franz when he had the ankle injury. We expect to see him in the rotation. And then you're really um, looking for uh, another tackle who's going to play with Wyatt on the edge, a very important spot. Um, so it's good that the quarterback and running back are back. Um, no receivers, though, with significant time returning. Right, and that that's tough because you saw how important that was and how widespread that was. So um, it's not like you're replacing one guy. You're replacing a number of key contributors there. Now, due to um, the lingering ankle issue that Alex Twyford had throughout much of the year, he missed a significant amount of time, actually a few games, uh, definitely some series in each in which sophomore tight end Nick Johnson got to play. And he obviously will be the leader at that position and expect to contribute a lot um, in 2017 after already doing a lot in 2016. And his name's going to come up again here shortly. Um, defensive line, actually have a decent amount back. Sean Hour back at defensive tackle. Uh, he as really his, came on strong yes. in the second half this year. I mean, he he put, had a great season, but like in the second half of the year, he's You just, he just see seeing, some guys see really moving. Like, yeah, when they... If they didn't focus on a blocking scheme specifically for him, he started to kind of make some big plays in there. It, it, at D-tackle, especially where take up blocks, you know, and, and that's kind of the, the role. And he was falling more and more in into uh, a key role there and, and was really kind of taking it on Chris, uh, in a great way. Chris Price will also be back. Uh, at defensive end for the Bulldogs. He's another guy that took advantage of Alex Twyford being banged up a little bit. He got to play more on defense than I think originally expected, and he really owned it. Uh, he was a huge snub by the Lancaster Lebanon League all-star selections. He wasn't even part of the honorable mention, which is absurd. That was the, like, there are plenty of Wilson players that get snubbed every year we talk about. It. And it sounds absurd because Wilson had like nine first team guys or something, you know, off the charts like that. But for someone like Chris Price not to be on it as either an offense or defensive lineman, I don't know, even if it's just an honorable mention, that was a huge oversight. Uh, so hopefully he's a chip on his shoulder as a senior next year as a two-way starter. At linebacker, we saw Trevor Hatley jump into the, the lineup uh, midseason. He's back, as is uh, the Nick Johnson, who we mentioned about a tight end. He'll be back to play inside linebacker. So entering the season, you essentially have two inside linebackers 
back that played a significant amount of time. I, I mean, Hatley became a starter. I don't know if you'd call John, you wouldn't call Johnson a starter because usually that was Leo Quigley, Quigley and Hatley were the two that were going for the uh, second half of the season. But Johnson spent a lot of time uh, playing that middle linebacker, that inside linebacker spot. So Hatley and Johnson will be back next year. Defensively, you've got uh, two corners that saw a good amount of time. Um, now you're losing uh, Weller and McElroy at corner and Schauber and O'Brien at safety. Um, but Isaiah Gilmore only be a junior next year, played down the stretch. Uh, until he got hurt in the Cumberland Valley game. Yeah, and and to tell you like what you know, the coaches thought of his play down the stretch. You know, between game plan and other things, I'm sure there's some other factors. But in that Costco Valley game, they put him out there on Charlie Catcher. The Cumberland Valley game. Yeah, sorry, not Costco. The other season. He actually, I think the Costco Valley game yes, might have been his did. first start. He did, and they put him out on an island on that game, and he played well. And in the Cumberland Valley game, they put him out there on Charlie Catcher. Positioning uh, wasn't an issue, right? He, he had like, it. Like, like, take care of it. So and he, he was having an okay game. You know, there was Charlie Catcher's going to make some plays, but he he was doing all right. Um, you know, he had that injury in in the later in the game, but um, you know, hopefully he, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be able to bounce back from that and and have a great junior season next year, right? And Trevor Tenga, he saw a lot of time in the defensive backfield and sub packages. He'll be back as a senior in 2017 so a decent amount back you know Wilson is a team built on seniors that only get to play for one year that you talk about every year there's always guys that step up as seniors if they can find a few of the key positions primarily offensive line and wide receiver you know and, and one or two more guys in the defensive backfield which they're already re- grooming uh John Fox's younger brother Joey we saw him start against Conestoga Valley he was a sophomore this year a uh, teammate of uh, Isaiah Gilmore very possible that he could start at safety next year as an underclassman. Um, so there's options there. A lot of, a lot of time left to develop, obviously, because it's still December and we're, the 2016 season isn't even completely yeah, over in we, Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of time. Um, but we know it, it won't be long until they're at work on filling in those spots. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's, if you're not playing a winter sport, plyometrics and, uh, and stuff a couple of days a week. That's ready for you in January. All right. So some milestones before we go. Coach Doms earned his 129th win as head coach in the victory over Cumberland Valley. And that actually, believe it or not, ties him with Coach Gerald Slemmer for second most in program history. So his next win will put him all alone in second place behind the legendary John Gursky, who has 151. So really, Coach Doms is only two great years, maybe three away from surpassing John Gursky on the Wilson victory list. That's incredible. Um, you know, not not to take you know, it's incredible to think how many wins uh Coach Gursky had, especially the way the schedules were set up. You know, they they didn't have a chance at fourteen games, you know, yeah. like stuff like that. But um it's incredible. If you look at the time frame that um that Coach Doms has done it over, it's, yeah, that's it's even more absurd. Yeah. Yeah, well, his, we, I think we broke that. We break those down usually in the preseason. And yeah, I'm sure we will next preseason. Absolutely, so it's incredible his his rate uh, at which they are accumulating wins. Some of the Wilson assistants are approaching some milestones, and depending on how 2017 goes, um, a few of them could reach them. We expect to see uh, linebacker inside linebacker coach Matt Bender reach 200. He's currently sitting at 198. Offensive coordinator and quarterback coach Jeremy Palm is chasing 150. He's at 146. And a good year from the Bulldogs, Brandon Naples, defensive back coach, will get to 125. He's at 118. So a couple milestones here, you know. And then I know in 2018 we'll be talking about uh, probably Ernie Wolver approaching 200 as well. Wow. So a lot of uh, experience on that Wilson staff for sure. All right, well, the second season of the Bulldog Hour may be over, but you still want to make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Look for the Bulldog Hour and the the parent company of the show, JMNJR Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Bulldog Hour, at JMNJR underscore radio, at Mr. underscore Raffoff, and at Coach Joe Mays. And on Instagram, we're at Bulldog Hour as well. Thank you once again to our sponsors, Mays Sandwich Shop, as well as our anonymous donors, and uh, the ones that have given us in-kind donations, uh, such as Andy Herr, who we mentioned earlier, he's getting geared up now for 
basketball season. So you want to check his stuff out at llhoops.com. And if you're interested in supporting the show, go to bulldoghour.com to find out how you can become a sponsor. Well, anything left to say about the 2016 no, season? It was, it was a fun year. It was a, it was a great time. Um, you know, knowing uh, some of the kids on the team, I, I know um, better than I have in, in years past, just, you know, through getting to know them in, in various ways, uh, you know, through, through class or, or other things like that. So it, it's been, it's been fun watching uh, these guys have, have success on the field um, for the last few years. And, uh, you know, they finished it out with, with a great season. Um, and it'll be fun to see some of the, some of the underclassmen, um, you know, start to fill in those roles. Um, you know, we think back to, you know, when guys like when Tommy O'Brien started seeing time and, you know, um, yeah, in 2014, you know, even, even Mason last year when he was, you know, a dynamic returner last year, uh, you know, just some of those things. And then they kind of come into play those bigger roles as they become upperclassmen. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And we talk about that every year. Um, it'll be interesting to see some of these younger guys take those, uh, take those roles on, uh, starting in a, in a couple of weeks, actually, probably, but, you know, throughout the spring and summer, especially. Yeah, I started coaching at Wilson Central in 2009, so the 2012 season was the first that any kids that I coached were seniors and were leading a team, and every year since then, it's just been incredible seeing all the kids um, that I had now at, at West Middle School, um, especially um, this class. Um, you mentioned Tommy O'Brien and Elliot Bob and Mason McElroy, but, you know, as the line coach, Isaiah Regal and Franz Borden were two of my guys, and, and they asked me on one of our last practices, um, you know, who my favorite lineman was. And, of course, I had a, you know, I couldn't give them an actual answer. You know, no one has favorites. John Runyon. <laughs> but, you know, I, I gave them a joke answer. But, I mean, truly, their their group, you know, the class, um, this class of 17 graduating class, the, the football seniors in 2016 were a joy to coach in, in middle school. They were a ton of fun to be around. I'm very happy that they're leaving as one of the one of the best classes that that Wilson's had. You know, two district titles, three league titles, and um, you know, thirty six wins. Yeah, yeah. I was, what a I, group! I was really happy. I know, you know, like I didn't know some of the kids on the team quite as long as you have, but I've known them a couple of years, and I know, um, you know, just some of the things that have happened throughout their careers. They they wanted it really bad this year, you know, to to get as far as they could, you know, right. knowing that. You know they understand the reality of it, but you know that district title game it means a lot to them, and that's something they're going to have forever. And uh, come banquet time, I know that's something that they're going to be able to kind of uh, cherish that and and the league wins and, and all of those things. So they they have plenty of accomplishments and had a great season. Yeah, I'm just, Brian Wright, J.P. Schaber, um, Nick Sapone, um, Vinny Martinez, Chad Lewis. Am I forgetting anyone? No, Nick Borelli, who we talked a lot about. You know, all those guys, they were on the um, 2012 um, Wilson West team. And uh, what what a class. What a great group of guys. And it was fun to watch them over the last few years. And, and really, I mean, really end up at, on top. You win the District 3 title in 6A. You know, you're one of the best. And, and they proved a lot of people wrong. So very happy for them. And obviously all the brethren from Southern and anyone that's moved into the district. Yeah, you're you're play you put on that helmet you're part of the red and white you know i got nothing but love for you so <laughs> well i think that's it thanks again for making the second season of the bulldog hour a successful one and justin and i'll be back sometime in 2017 to kick off the third season all right so we hope you enjoyed episode nine of the bulldog hour second season and the season finale of the show for Justin Raffoff and the Wilson Football Program, I'm Joe Mays. And remember, go Bulldogs. go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.